settle down. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Long Box, guys. With me, as always, some of my very favorite people since I was a very little kid. Tommy, how you doing, and what are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I'm drinking some Duncan Taylor scotch. How are you doing, Tom? What are you drinking? I'm good. I'm fit as a fiddle over here. I'm drinking uh, whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. The, uh, the, 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 the handle behind me has its back turned to me as if it's mad at me for some reason. So I don't know what it is. It's probably, it's not Jim Beams. It's the other one. Jack Daniels? Probably Jack Daniels. 90% likely. I think they come in the same bottle. Same handle setup. They look the same from behind is what I'm saying to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Josh. Oh. oh, Josh, man, you gave me a delicious beer, which is hard to, for me to go get, you son of a gun. Uh, but what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Oak Bear. Oak Bear. Uh, it's a Oak Barrel Conditioned Brown Ale. It's good. Nice. I love a nice brown ale. That's, uh, that's what you gave me. You gave me an oatmeal stout. And boy, howdy, I tell you, that was just just so tasty. I might actually make a trip to Treehouse. What's the closest Treehouse to me? Probably mm, Tough call. Maybe. Uh, no, there's one in Tewksbury now. All right. Instead of golf course. Or there's one down the Cape or you can Charlton or you can just tell me because I go every month. All right. Give me a case of that. I'll send okay. you. I'll send you some monies. Mikey, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing well and I am drinking an A&W root beer. Delicious. Is there re- are you working a little bit later on tonight, or are you just, just keeping it sober? Depends on what time we finish. All right. It is the beginning of October. <laughs> you know who would like that? The White Queen, Emma Frost, because she's snowy and frosty. Oh, A&W Root Beer is Frosty Root Beer. Man, I should have gone with that segue. I'm yeah. going to go back. <laughs> Emma Frosty Root Beer. Emma Frosty Root Bear. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the White Queen, Emma Frost, leader of the Hellfire Club, sometimes leader of the X-Men, sometimes good guy, sometimes bad guy, kind of hard to pin her down, um, sometimes girlfriend, sometimes maybe manipulative person who's making you her girlfriend, we don't know. Uh, who's uh, decided to give us the background this week? I guess that's me. Uh, oh. So uh, Emma Frost uh, makes her first appearance uh, in the uh, midst of the Dark Phoenix saga, X-Men 129, once again, Claremont and Byrne uh, is pretty much make everyone in the modern era of comics. I don't know. They uh, <laughs> it feels like uh, Emma Frost is a uh, Bostonian, the youngest of four very wealthy parents who are very strict. They send her to a private school where she discovers her powers and then immediately uh, manipulates her male professor to get him fired because she feels he is uh, doing her a disservice. Uh, Emma's powers are sort of the uh, same and contra to Charles Xavier, where she has uh, telepathy um, she has uh, and, and all the mind manipulation powers, uh, mind control, empathy, uh, some but very slight telekinesis. I'm not sure if she's got anything else on the mental side, but she's got astral projection, sonic blasts, all, all, all sorts of memory wiping. She can basically take go into and and do as she wills in people's minds and this is her power set for a good long time before the destruction of genosha where she gets a second mutation where she can then take on the 
diamond form, which is shown in the movies. Um, her diamond form is the contra to her psionic form. It is physically powerful. It is indestructible. She loses all of her psionic powers while she's in that form, and she, but she also becomes completely immune to other people's psionic powers while she's in that form. I think Emma, over the years, has been written as a shown and written as sort of having the, the, the two coins side of hypersexualization and women empowerment. And she's very often cosplayed. She is very well she's been pretty well taken care of as a character over the years showing that she is very much aware of how she manipulates people both telepathically and with her feminine wiles she has become a leader over the years taking control of several teams she of course was the white queen which is where she got her initial nom de guerre wait is that nom de guerre i've always said nom de guerre Okay, thanks. Uh, so she is one of the leaders of the Hellfire Club, which is essentially another uh, organization that is specifically gunning for Charles Xavier and his mansion, and then eventually becomes the head mistress of the Massachusetts Academy, which is a direct contra to the X-Men, and then eventually becomes the leader of the X-Men. And th- her story ties in with so many so many crisscrosses over the years she's yeah she's a hero she's a villain she has seen just about every side of the comic book page uh you can imagine she is an exemplar character i really enjoy her and um and yeah she's uh she's pretty much a one of the hard and fast residents of uh, of the marvel mutantum and i will go as far as to say she is comic books greatest teacher or the greatest teacher in comic books really how many of her students the hellions i'm talking about have gone on to get their masters well she's (laughs) she's i mean i didn't realize this was an interview with aim (laughs) (laughs) well it is you're gonna say she's one of more well than played, sir. She's, no, she's a much better teacher than any of the other X-Men, and that includes Professor X. Like she truly does care about her students above all else. You really don't think that you would learn more in Scott Summers' trigonometry class, knowing that Scott Summers is one of the best at trigonometry on the planet. Yeah, uh, you I think Emma Frost, because Emma Frost would just read Scott Summers' mind and teach you trigonometry just as well. And and she'll and do she can it be without it into your yeah. mind too. Like, hey, this is how you do it. That's not oh, teaching. That's not teaching. But I didn't say she did. I said she could. Fair. So you're really not making a very good argument for your side that she's the greatest teacher in all of Marvel. Yeah, they were. Or you said comic books. Yeah, I said all uh, comic books. All right. I, I, I mean, the only, I strongly the only one disagree. Who, I mean, you might want to go with Jefferson Prince. Eh. Uh, or but, maybe Mr. Perfect. Yeah, he's not a teacher. Really? Yeah. Fair play doesn't teach people. 
How about Batman then? At least his students go on to do stuff. <laughs> they go on to become Nightwing. All the Hellions and New Mutants were trained. Most of them were trained. All the Hellions and most of the New Mutants were trained by Emma Frost. Yeah, most of, name a Hellion most that's still X-Men. name a Hellion that's out there doing stuff. Boom, 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 boom. You're gonna go with boom, boom. I'm gonna go with your boom. argument for Emma Frost being the greatest teacher alive in the Marvel verse is boom, boom. You want me to go I'm, with the cuckolds? <laughs> what about oh, Jefferson sorry. Pierce? I'm sorry, the Cooper. Jefferson Pierce. Mike already didn't mention him also, uh, and I would go with Jefferson Pierce way before. Agree to disagree. All right. This isn't going to turn into who the greatest educator is, though. We're going to keep going with the Emma Frost bit. Um, Janda, you know, she was also a master of electronics. She invented uh, several devices that granted psychic or made the same abilities as psychics had. And the one time that she was taken over by Sync, he was able to uh, really tap into the telekinetic portion of her brain and use that against her, uh, against uh, some of the enemies. So uh, that was kind of neat. I read a little bit earlier this week that a lot of people think that she could be a super powerful telekinetic, but she just doesn't really access that part because she focuses too much on the other stuff. And it's kind of backed up by some of the things that happen in the comic books, like things levitating when she sleeps and when she's taken over by seeing more telekinetic stuff coming out. And she ate too much cheese. She might be she might be lactose intolerant, and that might be just kind of blocking that. Yeah, a little backed up. So I will say uh, I love Emma Frost as a character. If we're going to talk about some of her best series, I would recommend that 2002 to 2004, that 18 issue run uh, called Emma Frost, because boys and girls, if you want to masturbate to a comic book cover. Greg Horn's, and who doesn't want to? <laughs> Greg Horn's covers for all 18 of those issues are Mike Grell, Dawn Star worthy. Do, do you need uh, a moment, Mike? <laughs> no, I've, I've had plenty of moments already. That's fine. Emma Frost cover art. <laughs> but the story wow. lines are yeah. really good, too. Uh, her whole upbringing and... Uh, just her origin story in that it really sets the stage for Emma because that you you find out her background is so fucked up, which is why she's kind of fucked up herself. She's very fucked up. Uh, yeah, and then, she's a Bostonian. She's a fellow yeah. Bostonian, so, you know. I will also say one of the... I wish I could remember the issue, but in... At one point, she takes over Bobby Drake's mind, and Ah. (laughs) she proceeds to kick the shit out of all of the X-Men with Iceman. Yeah, that was a good good issue. And afterwards, for issues after that, Bobby is fucked up because he realizes – she took over my brain and was better at using my powers than I ever was. I believe his exact words in one of those panels was, she's a way better me than me. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't realize how powerful he was until she was like, oh, I got this. 
I, I can just freeze air inside people's lungs. Yeah, I, I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, that I was really, a good one. Yeah, uh, she's the stuff that she did with the Hellions um, in Generation X is really good. If you were interested in checking that out, her stuff in uh, Grant Morrison's run of the X-Men with her interactions with Scott were really good up until the X-Men versity in humans, where I think like, I don't know what the fuck was going on. That was a horrible series and they really did her wrong in that series. But other than that, she's been treated very well as a character for most of her time. Yeah, I, I I like the introduction. I love the Hellfire Club, the initial those initial impressions in the sort of the 130s to 170, 180s X-Men, where I love Sebastian. I cosplayed Sebastian Shaw, even though nobody knew who I was. God damn it, people. I was wearing a purple suit and pilgrim shoes. Figure it out. You thought you were a pimp. And you had Emma Frost next to you. And I had Emma Frost standing next to me. And still, everyone was like, Still people Emma thought Frost. you were a pimp. What, why are you a purple pilgrim? God damn it. <laughs> Not the purple pilgrim. I mean, I get it. Nobody should be looking at me. But once you did happen to glance at me, you should figure out who I was. Come on, people. Yes, wasted mutton chops. Seriously. Uh, yeah, I had real mutton chops. I didn't glue shit on. I grew those fuckers out. But uh, but no, I, yeah, I love that an entire run there with uh, with the Hellfire Club sort of being the the shadow group just outside the X Men's reach. It was uh, they they treated everyone in that very well. I loved Sebastian Shaw. I loved Emma Frost. It's such a and that that I mean also for me that's just the glory days of the X Men, right? I mean that that whole saga sweeping into the mutant massacre and everything leading up to that is uh just comic book gold so if you if god help you if you haven't read the x-men from 130 to 230 just what are you do don't yourself, listen to, just do yeah, yourself a favor yeah Stop pause this doing. shit march your ass over to comiXology and grab that and just start reading because that is that's my jam I'm going to jump in with my favorite uh, run because it's it's pretty close to what you're talking about. And my – it's kind of silly, but I really like the first – maybe um, – not the first five, but the next 20 issues of The New Mutants. Uh, because then we are introduced to the Hellions, and it's almost like a school rivalry thing. But there's a real dark underside to it too because we're not really sure if Emma Frost is the benevolent headmistress of the school – or she's just controlling these children to turn them into killers. And we kind of find out it's really kind of neither. She's actually, you know, is involved in their lives and does want these kids to do well. Uh, but she's also, you know, trying to raise the next bunch of uh, people to take over uh, in the uh, the Hellfire Club. Tom, so it's I'd a little like a sidebar. Please. Sidebar, we should start Evil School of Rock and directly oppose all the performances of your school of rock oh i would be in the evil school of rock. i'll be the i'll be, I'll be the traitor <laughs> let's just start the school of roll 
<laughs> also, uh, that's good. One. I will say this: we're trying to pick new songs, and I'm like, uh, "Hey, I want to do Wild Thing, but I want to do Sam Kennison's version." And they're like, "What's Sam Kennison's version?" And it's like it's a kind of like, a lot of like Wild Thing, except there's a couple extra verses. Like every time I kiss you, I taste what other men had for lunch, but I still love you, Wild Thing. Dun, 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 dun. And they're they're against it for now. <laughs> for now, we'll revisit it. Yeah. So. Amber Frost is is also, you know, in addition to being, you know, one of the leaders of the Hellfire Club, she is just when she goes into battle, she's cold, she's calculating, and she's focused. And I think Karen Gillan brings that kind of to life in the Uncanny X-Men in 2011, 2012, when they're going up against Mr. Sinister. And Emma Frost is in her diamond form and she gets an arm taken off. Oh, yeah. And Scott is like all concerned. Somebody take Emma off the field. She needs to be tended to. And she's just like, what are you talking about? In this form, I don't feel anything. I'm fine. We got a job to do. And she doesn't want to be taken off the field. She just wants to get the job done. And that, to me, is something that I saw early on in Emma Frost of just let's kick ass, take names, and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, when you and beat is, other people with your severed arm, you're in the middle. You're yeah. you're on the go. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. there's a level and that's there's that's a level. A, that's yeah. another one. <laughs> and she had to stay in that diamond form so she didn't yeah. bleed out. Yeah. So she didn't bleed out, yeah. And and that's kind of like where I see Emma Frost. It's like, no, the battle's not done. We haven't won yet. You, you may have seen me, this. LT, you may have seen me make a little face when you started your little spiel there. I thought you said Karen Jillian. I'm like, what the fuck is he about well, to yeah, talk about? Yeah, that's what I was like, yeah. You thought so too, Josh. I, I, I absolutely, th- I was like, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Why Karen Jillian? Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't, LT. You explained it. We get it now. Yeah. Um, and as long as we're talking about that, let's go back one space to the movie where we do see Emma Frost. And that's New Mutants. And one of the things I loved most about that is Sebastian Shaw told her to go make him a drink. That's, well, that's days of uh, that. You know, that's days of future past, or no, no, no that was the new class. New class. I said first, new class. First class. No, you said new mutants. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant first class. Whatever. Sorry. Uh, the movie first class. They're in a submarine. By the way, I love the the. It was such a throwback to the visuals of those '80s comics. That was my favorite part of that movie. A lot of that movie sucked, but the visuals for me, I thought I the white like submarine. Did not Sebastian Shaw power profile. Like I, didn't I liked it at the end. <laughs> and he's and she's, so he tells Emma Frost, "Go make me a drink." Holds up an empty. She has to climb out of the submarine to get ice from an iceberg. Second most uh, powerful telepath on the planet. Go make give me, me a ice. sand. Make me a sandwich, but make it out of alcohol. <laughs> Sorry, but I had to put that in there because I love that image. And I did love that visual, that that all-white submarine coming out of that iceberg. I mean, I don't know how much they spent on that movie, but it was worth it for that shot. They got me with that. Did everyone say their favorite? I know LT did. Josh did. Yeah. Mikey did. Okay. I did. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is a character that, like her or hate her, can't ignore her. She's just uh-huh. too much. She's too in there. She's too ingrained. Um, it's like Magneto or Doctor Doom. 
um, you know, she touches a part of every single comic book in some way or other. So, you know, like her lover, just you can't ignore it. She's someone you have to be aware of in the Marvel Universe for certain. Josh, I got a question for you. You have a lot of, uh, in your background, some of you guys can't see this, of course, but Josh, the background has multiple, multiple iterations of the White Queen. Some look like different bodies. Does does she ever change her body, or is this just artist renderings? No, just different artist renderings. Yeah. Different artist renderings. Does the eyes look different in some? And Yeah. I like the white bodice one, because I'm a pig, and I like boobs. I did look at some of the Greg Horn art uh, for the Emma Frost covers. Um, that guy is only missing a Y from his name. <laughs> I will say this. I was just, I tried to uh, put a, a picture up, uh, but it was in the wrong kind of file. But she is talking to Avalanche in one of the things, and she's dressed very scantily. And Avalanche is like, um, Can I, you're, you're one of the most powerful women on the planet. Why don't you wear more clothes? She's like, it's so much easier to manipulate men psychically when they're only thinking about one thing. And I kind of like that, 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 that idea. Like if like her sexuality is one of her superpowers. Yeah. If you're giving her that double take, you're like, I'm not really thinking about fighting for a second here. There's an in. in." And then she gives you a smile. Oh, she'll get in your mind like that without powers. (laughs) I make her a sandwich is what I'm saying. An alcohol sandwich. Anyone have any last words? (laughs) Anyone have any last words on Emma Frost? The White Queen. She's still the White Queen? Yes. She ever lost the title? Was there ever another White Queen? Uh, I mean, there have been other kings and queens, probably a different White Queen, but she is the White Queen. So, well, well, if there's been others, and I mean, (laughs) before her, there were. Has anyone ever usurped her? I think, yeah, I think there was a different white queen at the Hellfire Club, yeah. I know uh, Shaw has been usurped a few times, but he usually struggles back to the top. You should do Smashing Saw sometime, Josh, just to make people more aware of the character so the next time you put on your silly shoes, (laughs) people will know who he is. And once again, kudos to you for growing out real mutton chops for that one. That was like a a month and a half, two-month commitment for you. Nice. Just clap, 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 clap. And with those claps, we're going to go straight to the front of the lawn. Mikey, what do you have at the front of the lawn box? At the front of the lawn box, I have Flamer by Mike Curato. Flamer, uh, flame. uh We are back into uh, – this is one of the most challenged slash banned books in the country right now. And that is a shame because out of all of the LGBTQ plus – comics that i've read this is one that could save lives uh it is an excellent story about a boy discovering uh that he is attracted to other boys and the fear and the shame that he undergoes because of it it is well written and the problem we face a lot of times is a lack of empathy because the unknown is scary. And so to take these, this book particularly out of schools 
is a disservice to all those children who could really, one, learn empathy for people that are different, and two, help kids that are dealing with the same issues that this kid is dealing with. Even if it's not a direct correlation, everybody has felt at some point in their lives like the other and an outsider. And so, therefore, I can't give this a high enough recommendation. Any Anybody who has a kid who's going from middle school to high school, you should buy this book and give it to them to read. Again, it's called Flamer by Mike Curado and is one of, if not the most banned books in the country right now. A quick question. What's the biggest objection that people have to this? Is it uh, the description? LGBTQ content. It's just that it's LGBTQ content. There's no one scene. There's no graphic description. It's just that it's LGBTQ content. Uh, well, you know, he's a, he's a teen boy, so he... He masturbates. There is a scene, he's at Boy Scout camp, and he goes into a cabin with some older boys, and they're having a contest where they're, all four of them are sitting around jerking off into a cup. And oh, they're playing, they're playing Ookie Cookie. Except it's not a cookie, it's a cup. Yep. We've all played uh, Ookie Cookie. Wh- what is this? Ookie Cookie. Y'all jerk off on a cookie, and the last one to come has to eat it. No, we oh, haven't all played no this. We have not all done this. No, no Tom, we haven't all played this. I've been asked to play. I politely declined. You really? <laughs> In what context? Like, uh, like a camping trip or? No, literally sleepaway camp when I was a kid, yeah. Ah, that's funny. I was just kind of yeah. making it <laughs> No, no, I, I, I get you there. But no, I was like, um. Uh, it doesn't sound delicious. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Do you have any? Not cum stained cookies? Because I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm snacky. I have a snack. I could snack. go for a snack, but that is uh, not the snack I was sweet looking salty. for. Yeah. Wow. I am finally glad that I didn't go to sleepaway camp. But yeah, okie cookie. It was. Yeah, I, I I recognized the term immediately. I was not I was not bewildered nor surprised, Tom. Yep. Uh, all right. So yep. Yeah, it's a shame that something like that is what people are are, are, are banning such a uh, a book that sounds like I haven't read it yet of course but from your recommendation I trust you completely sounds like a book that could really help a lot of kids yeah it definitely is and like I said I've read just about all of the graphic novels this summer that have been banned across the country and this is the, the best one out of a lot of them yeah one thing I, I will say there's one plus for banning books it does give you an easy to find reading list that it does. Right. If, it, if nothing else, if my reading list is pre-made by the Christians. Thanks. Thanks, Christians, Muslims, and, and crazies. So I don't know if you saw uh, this week the, I think it was the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. They, did, they had an article, and 80% of all the book bans uh, across the country have been done by 12 people challenging books 12 people 12 people yeah. 12 individuals yeah <laughs> so two clips whoa, whoa. Wow. we whoa. cannot condone that whoa. at all whoa, whoa. Oh. I, I was just doing simple math <laughs> even my dog left the room on that one i'm sorry great jesus all right 
But seriously, like, not cool. <laughs> or extended mag, one extended mag. What are you talking about? A normal magazine has got 15 rounds plus one in the chamber. That's 16. Really? I mean, yeah. not in Massachusetts because that's illegal. But yeah, in most other states. No. I'm just using my six shooter. Click, click, click. Tommy, where are you at the back of the long box? Get me out of this hole, buddy. <laughs> I don't know that I can ever out. get you out of this hole, Tom. But I have Batman, cool. the Brave and the Bold, number two, because number one was so good. I went and read number two, and it was also <laughs> that good. Tom King and Mitch Garrod's uh, fantastic Joker story. I'm sorry, what was that last name again? <laughs> Gerard's? You're just saying letters. It's all right, man. Uh, anyway, fantastic Joker story about Batman getting his ass kicked. Right. Go on. Go on. So it is is taking taking a place early in Batman's career. Joker is just getting started. He is uh, pulling off some some really daring things. Uh, Commissioner Gordon has has told this guy, look, you're safe. We have 12 cops in this room. You're going to be completely safe. This rich guy is like, no, Joker says he's going to kill me at midnight. I am a dead man. I've got a family. You know, I, you know, I'm not safe. And Gordon's like, you're safe. You're going to be fine. We, we've got this place. We've got you protected. Sure enough, midnight comes. There's gas. Joker's in the room. He starts killing cops. He kills the guy. Gordon's the only one to survive. Joker's Joker's juggling eyeballs. Gordon's the only one to survive. And Gordon's like, yeah, you know, regular cops, normal things that we do, standard operating procedures aren't going to work with this guy. We need to go outside the law. And he approaches Batman and he's like, I don't know what to do here. I need something different. I need something, something as crazy as this. And Batman does his disappearing thing and starts formulating a plan right away. So is, is this a, so you talked about issue one before, is this the same storyline or is this just each issue is a different story? It's the same. Overarching. It's the same storyline, and it just continues to be fantastic as Batman just tries to come up. He comes up with a plan, and it just doesn't work, and he just gets the crap kicked out of him. And it's just – it's great because he just goes in with, I am vengeance. You are going to pay, and he doesn't quite pull it off. And it's kind of nice to see Batman not quite pull it off. It's kind of nice to see the training wheels. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun. I'd read that one. This two weeks in a row we've recommended Tom King books. Yeah. It's not hard. Well, he is a king, I after all. A lot right. of kings this episode. White Queen, White Queen Tom King, don't, a lot don't, of royalty. Don't, don't go royalty. off on a royalty tangent. That's Josh's purview. Josh, you got a tangent for us? Yeah, I got a I got. Well, first I have a smattering of things. First of all, I got my uh, my Kickstarter from friend of the podcast, Mark Russell, this week. What the fuck? Why haven't I got my bunk You're on the list, house? I'm sure, but I paid more, so I got it first. I don't know. <laughs> I did get two original prints from him. 
I got three signed books and uh, and the book of uh, comic strips. Uh, I, and it was just in my I, honestly, I completely forgotten about it. And I, it was in my mailbox and I was like, "Ooh, what's this? Super excited. Uh, and immediately uh, texted um, uh, Mark that I got it and, and and cheered him on for it. Uh, the other thing on a sadder note and for us Bostonians, even if you aren't a baseball fan, yeah, we lost. But well, now I'm blanking, of course, on his Tim damn name, Tim Wakefield. Wake. Man, we lost Wake. We, we lost Wake. I, I'm, I've never been a big baseball fan. But Wake did a lot of stuff around the city, and one of the few times I got to sit directly behind home plate, I got to see Tim pitch. Oh, my and God, that's amazing. How the fuck does oh, anybody neat. hit that thing? <laughs> it's like a dancing bird. Like, you, it was it was, it was, was inscrutable. There was no prediction of where that thing was going when he was on and, oddly, when the weather was right. Like, yes. he, there were his pitch was more affected by the weather than probably any other type of pitch in baseball. And if you are staring right down at a knuckleball when they are on and whatever, whatever conditions were, were right, were right that night. And uh, it was just an, an amazing thing to watch. Just an amazing thing. He had his own catcher because it's so hard. Yeah. That's a yeah. knuckleballer. Absolutely. He was also never know which way it's going to dip or curve at the end. And he started yeah. out in professional baseball as a second-rate second baseman. Yeah, and, first baseman. And first baseman, and turned himself into a, a, a knuckleball pitcher, which also means he was a decent hitter for a pitcher, so he often pitched in a... Anyway, uh, so we say goodbye to Tim Wakefield, uh, and I'm sure we you know, we all send best wishes and prayers to his, his family, his wife, who's also battling cancer. And uh, so, just a quick uh, shout-out... To the douchebag who outed him yeah, before he wanted to be. Guy. Fuck and you. Yeah. I'm not even going to say your name. Just fuck you. Yeah. And so I'll end on, we were talking about my my Sebastian Shaw cosplay earlier. And one of the only people who recognized that was Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> uh, I was in line to get him to sign my, uh, my uh, just some stuff. And meet him at Pensacon two years ago. And he was like, no, we weren't. Was that last year? Yeah. This year. No. No, 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 this no, year. no, no, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No, it's two years ago. Two years you're ago. Right, cause we, you're right, because we weren't staying at the, at the other place. place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so I met Giancarlo, and he recognized that we were cosplayed as Sebastian Shaw and, and Emma Frost, which I thought was fantastic. And we were just chit-chatting, and he was telling us a story, and and I was like, you know, I always thought you would have made a great Bass Reeves, and I don't think you never you never got to play Bass Reeves, which on a side side note, Paramount Plus has a Bass Reeves series coming out in November, but it's not Giancarlo Esposito, clearly. But it does but, look good. But is do you have a actor or actress that you really like? And that you've always pictured as a character that they have not yet played. Who do you got? Uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say the one that came first to mind because we've always said this. Uh, a young Shawn Michaels would have been a very good Aquaman. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
but that's not my my real pick. That's just one that came right to mind because we've always I've always thought that. All right. I know it's we, tough. Yeah. I know, but no, Maybe. Giancarlo was like he was absolutely delightful. He was telling us stories. He spent a lot of time with everyone, and and the Mandalorian had just been sort of released, so he was you know most people in line were Star Wars folks looking for Moff Gideon and never really really experienced him as an actor before. And I know he was really popular in what's uh, Breaking Bad, but I never saw that, so that wasn't my uh, wasn't my my approach on him. But what was what was the one? Because that's where I know him mostly from. What do you know mostly from? I mean, he, I mean, definitely he was Moff Gideon for me when I when I sort of like walked up. But I remember from a lot of stuff there was some other right program. Do the right thing. He was buddy. Yeah, I mean he he's been in he has sprinkled himself in. Wait, who was he in Do the Right Thing? Bugging out. I'm sorry, did you just say bugging out? Yeah, bugging. 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 It's a long time. He was, like, he was he the one who talk. was upset yeah. that all it was just Italians in the pizza joint on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Why do we can't, Yeah, I remember the the scene. I guess I, I just can't. He was so young then. I, I guess I'm putting yeah. a different actor there. Because yeah. yeah, he's young there. He was in the boys. <laughs> Uh, Westworld for me. Oh yeah, the boys. I remember in the boys. He was good in the boys. Uh, and then there was a there was a western he was in that I really liked. So that's why you kind of had him as Bass Reeves. That's why I had him as Bass Reeves. I saw him in the western, and I think somebody else might have played Bass Reeves in that western, and I was like, nah, that should have been Esposito. I kind of like Kevin Gravo for Bass Reeves. Yeah. Sorry, I like Kevin Gravo. It's still not my answer. Okay. <laughs> So for me, I'm going to go with Alan Tudyk as Kite Man. Ah, oh, that's a good yeah. one. That's that is a good, good one. Good job, okay. Mike. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it's not just because he and I were co-stars. In, so it's uh, not just you hooking a friend two. up. No, no. If I was if I was going to be hooking anybody up, I would have Rich Sir Richard Hatch playing the Phantom Stranger. <laughs> because I think he's the only one who could have done it justice. And now that he's passed away, no one should ever play we might as well just Stranger. retire the role, yeah. Yeah. I should never have anybody try to play that role. It's just done. Yeah. Um, For those of you who don't listen to the mm-hmm. podcast on the regular, Sir Richard Hatch was my acting instructor. Um, we had... We had a moment. Yeah. Did he make a girl cry in your class? <laughs> he totally made a girl cry. Like, not just like, cry, like break down. What's like, the, but he was like so lean. He's like, what was the worst moment of your life? I don't want to talk about that. Was, no, open up. What was the worst moment of your life? <laughs> yeah. It's just and like, well, I guess when my mom died, like, tell me how your mother died. <laughs> like, you wouldn't let it go, right? Yeah. And then he was yeah. like, now use that. Now use that. How did you feel when your mother died? <laughs> and I was like, wow. lay off, man. Oh, oh, I got it. Uh, I always thought Dennis Leary in this prime uh, uh, would have been a great Guy Gardner. Yes. That yeah, would have been the best for, yeah. Guy Gardner of all he time. He would have been the best Guy Gardner of he all time. He would have been Guy Gardner. Yeah, yeah. he would have totally been Guy Gardner. Yeah. But you know what I would like to see? I would like to see a reboot of Buck Rogers with Walton Goggins as Buck Rogers. Oh, I'd watch that. 
Well, he can do anything, so. He can do anything. Who's, who's going to be Wilma no. Deering? Got Walter Goggins. Walter Goggins is going to be Wilma Deering, too? Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna Walter do it Goggins doing, is doing He's going to be Tweaky. Every, every, yep. Every, every tweaky. Hawk. 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 Walter Goggins. <laughs> Dr. Zayas. Walter Goggins. Oh, my God. Dr. Zayas. No, wait. No, no. no. Dr. Zayas was. Uh, Planet of the Apes. That's Planet of the Apes, my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Buck Rogers is going oh, to cross over Also, being the merciless. Damn right, he's being the merciless. Right. <laughs> Walton Goggins. Oh, so the movie I was I'd seen him in was They Die by Dawn. It's a western. If you ever get All to right. see it, it's a good western. Uh, but western. somebody else, Harry Lennox, actually plays Bass Freeze in that. You would recognize him from other things. Oh, did like, you see that one? I did. I just said Walton Goggins as Buck Rogers. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was just a given. Walter Goggins for anything. Yeah. 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 I would I also like to see Walter Goggins. The shark in Jaws, Walter Goggins. Walter Goggins. Hey, how you doing up there? Nom, 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 nom. The building King Kong climbs at the end, Walter Goggins. That's a Goggins. Yeah. Or Kong out for Goggins, in case you yeah. weren't aware. Want this right. building to but, shine like the top of the Chrysler Goggins. All right, quick three days. The twist at the end is he talks him down. Yeah. <laughs> nice LT. Nice ad. Yeah. Uh 318, Walter Goggins, go. Walton. Walton Goggins. I'm talking about his brother. <laughs> Walter Gog- Walton Goggins, go. Josh, 318. 18. 18. 18. He's, 18. He's, he stole the last season of Justified yeah. in two scenes. From a guy who was actually doing a great job, too. Uh, what was yeah. that guy's name? Uh, Odin. Timothy Oliphant. To Oliphant. Oliphant. Oliphant was doing. Was crushing it. That was a good series. Uh, and then yeah. you inject the Goggins, and you're like, oh, now it's a great series. He was so good. He was so menacing for a little guy who's also a good comic actor. So menacing. You know, I, I still think. I mean, he everything he does is gold. But his one episode on Community. Where he's the arbiter of Pierce's will. Yeah. It's just primo gold. There's so many nuggets of beauty in in community. Yeah. I do love yeah. community. Thanks, Mike, for that. Beautiful, Mike. I never Beautiful. would have watched community and you were like, no, watch the D&D episode. And then if you like that, go back and watch the whole series. I, I don't I love did. the whole series. There are so many nuggets of pure greatness in there though the, the random one the space shuttle one oh my god all of the paintball ones just... there is a entire storyline that is abed and a couple and they are just in the background and over the course of five seasons you see how this weird bizarre relationship develops because at the first episode they're in the community center, they get condoms and Abed comes on and says, whatever you do, don't use condoms. And then he, later on, they show him helping her give birth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's insane. Like that took so much forethought because that just plays out over years. <laughs> yeah. Every once in yeah. a while, you're like, what's Abed doing in the background? Oh, it's the exact opposite here. of the Star Wars sequels. It's like they actually planned something out. They actually thought out. it all out. Yeah, it's so weird. 
It's exactly the opposite of Lost, also. I thought yeah. this shit through. Was a smoke monster? I don't know. An escape polar bear? Maybe. I never watched it, honestly. I've Neither never seen I. a full episode of Lost. Oh, I might have seen two full episodes. Oh, I watched I'm it. like, this is dumb as shite. I <laughs> oh, I watched it all the time. Me and Janet, it was must-see TV for us. Uh, Goggins isn't like that it. short. He's going to be, what, 6'8"? 5'10". 6'8"? I mean, he can play a guy 6'8". Because he's Walter Oh, yeah, Goggins. he comes off at 6'9", 6'11". Yeah. Yeah. He and also did a great pounds. biopic of Joe Pesci, so he can play any height. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I once saw him uh, unhinge his jaw and eat an entire uh, engine block. Yeah. yeah, he won the Tour de France on a bike with no chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yes. Speaking uh, of impressive, have you guys checked out our Patreon-only podcast, The Geek League? If you haven't, for a mere one dollar a month. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the longbox guys and get access to the geek leak where we talk about all the geeky things other than comic books that we've been doing for the week. And all of the money that we get for that all goes to the Elizabeth Peabody house. How many people did you guys feed this week or how many we've families? Had, we've had over a hundred families this week. That's right. So if you want to do good Go ahead over and become one of our Patreon Patreons. And I guess that brings us over to plugs. Mikey, you got anything to plug this week? I'd like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com. Nice. Tommy, you got anything to plug? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. Geekorthodox.com. Hello, Tammy. GeekOrthodox.com for verified t-shirts and other geeky things. Uh, sorry, stained glass prints and Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses. If you want the t-shirts, you got to go to IanLino.com because they got so much stuff they had to set up two separate websites. That's how much stuff they got. So if you want stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, stained glass prints, and such, you go to e, to geekorthodox.com. You want apparel, you go to ianlino.com, and that's where you'll get all your geeky needs met. Nice. Ian just uh, did a a book cover. A book cover, a book cover for. I got the book. You already the, got the book, Josh. Already that's got great. Hexologists. Hexo- the hexologists. Uh, Violet and I are doing a uh, a book club thing with it. So we bu- I uh, sent her a copy of the book as well. If anybody wants to order the book, we were going to do the book club thing Wednesday night, just the first three chapters. Nice. What time of Thursday night? Wednesday night. I meant Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, I don't know. We haven't really. It's just she and I, so it's whenever the fuck. But if uh, if you want to, you can probably get it in a day or two on Amazon. And the first three chapters are actually pretty short. So if you'd like to join us, do so. And if any of your Patreons would like to join us, yeah. Yeah, or anyone, anyone listening, just uh, email us at luckybastard at thelongboxguys.com and uh, put in Hexologist Book Club, and we'll uh, we'll set up a Discord channel, and uh, we'll have a little uh, little book club. Well, let's do it next week, then, because give me a chance to read the damn thing and get it. Yeah, that too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to buy it, it's on Amazon. Uh, Josiah Bancroft. The book is The Hexologist's. I don't know what it's, it's about, but boy, series. I tell you, I love, love, love the cover. His uh, his first four books uh, were very interesting. 
uh, which of which Ian did all the covers for that entire book series as well. So go check out, I can't remember, uh, it's the Senshin series, S-E-N-C-H-I-N, by the same author. Go check those out. Also very good. Neat. Great t-shirts, too. All right. And uh, I'd like to plug School of Rock. Even though we're going to start up the evil version, evil School of Rock, School of Rock, a great way to easily learn music. Uh, I'm having such a great time doing it. I'm learning Hard to Handle right now by uh, Otis Redding, and a great tune. Having a lot of fun doing it. Wilson Pickett? Otis Redding did it first. Really? That's what my teacher told me today. I said Wilson Pickett. He's like, nope, Otis Redding did it first. I believed him. I'm not sure if I should (laughs) have. I, I mean, sure know sure, what Black Rose. Okay. <laughs> Could have been Wilson Pickett. Okay. He was young. He might not have known. <laughs> Josh is looking up furiously. I'm looking up right now, yeah. 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 Uh, but that will do it for us tonight. Uh, Mike, what is this podcast like for you? It's like drunk history, but for comics. Tommy, sweet, sweet Tommy. You got any last words for us? Go do some good in the world. And bring some. don't forget to bring some glue in tomorrow for that desk. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, we got Pentagon coming up not too long from now. Is Pentagon your uh, sector? Always. And we have the same place reserved. Nice. nice. And it is Otis Redding. Yep. It is Otis Redding. Hard to Handle, written by Otis Redding in 1968. Uh, released on the 1968 B-side to the song Amen. So my 22-year-old yeah, teacher was correct. That's good Can to know. the internet. That guy, yeah. Yeah, I don't a think twenty-eight-year-old kid using internet. Yeah, he didn't. We were just sitting around talking about music, and he's like, "Oh, a lot of people, you know, love that song, but you know, it, it's been around for a while. It's been covered by a lot of people." Sure does. Yeah. And he just listed a bunch. He's like, "But it's by Otis Redding." I'm like, "Really? That was awesome. Not wrong." Yeah. All right. And uh, don't forget what I always say: don't diss what you hate. Just promote what you love. You'll live longer. I promise you. And. uh so long from the lot box, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.